0: welcome to the big fundamental podcast the spurs podcast brought to you by kens five the official station of the san antonio spurs i'm jackson floyd and joining us this week we've got evan klosky what up and tom petrini What's going guys Guys, uh, with just some breaking news right off the top here. Uh, we just learned in the last few hours that Kelvin Johnson has made the rising stars uh, rosters here. Tom, I just want to know real quickly, were you more excited to see that announcement or to see the announcement was made on Top Shot?
1: Uh, well, it, it was interesting that it, they put it out on Top Shot, but, I mean, well-earned for Kelvin Johnson, right? Um, I think it's pretty incredible that as the 29th pick, In that draft class, a loaded draft class with you know the Zion's and Jaws and Tyler Heroes and R.J. Barrett's and those kind of guys. Brandon Clark, uh, you know, he is one of those top five or six players from that draft class, Um, and obviously a steal for the Spurs, a hugely impactful player, not just with you know 14 and seven. per game but the energy he plays with that energizes his teammates um really really happy for him but yeah also happy for anybody who uh bought the Kelvin Johnson dunk over Kawhi Leonard and then uh saw the value immediately uh go up on the on the lowest ask to about 100 bucks once the rosters were announced so uh shout out to Keldon Johnson and anybody who uh believed enough to, to put some money on him there.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's great that, you know, Keldon Johnson and the San Antonio Spurs get national recognition. I didn't think it could happen. I honestly, I didn't know that it was actually, there was an ability to recognize a San Antonio Spur not named Tim Duncan. So, um, you know, great, great for the brand. Uh, and, and You know, because they have the rosters USA versus World, that, of course, limits the ability of Devin Vassell to sneak in there. Uh, It's hard to argue with the the list of names that they, you know, that the 12 man roster uh, was. But nonetheless, I would imagine that Devin Vassell is on that short list of what a replacement would look like. So that's saying anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, the San Antonio Spurs play in the Lone Star State, and uh, it, for a while there, it felt like we were going to have zero stars represented uh, at All-Star Weekend. Um, again, you know, no, no DeMar DeRozan
2: in that game. Uh, which uh, and, and game in italics, because yeah. there is no game.
0: There, there's no game. It's, 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 it's a participation trophy. In the, in the- <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, congrats. I, I will uh, see the
0: games. We'll see so you I- later. I would have liked to see the games. It's it's a stacked roster, as you're saying, Evan. I mean, it's a good company for uh, Kelton to be in there. Uh, projecting forward, uh, any any other Spurs besides Vassell who who might make the roster next year?
2: I mean, Luca can make the world roster. It's not like the world has you know uh, th- that's a tougher tougher roster to kind of build out. Uh, but you know, Vassell, Luca. I mean, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, and I think Vassell has a pretty darn good shot next year because a lot of sophomores are on, on the Team USA list. So they'll graduate, and Vassell, again, will get bumped up, uh, assuming that he plays um, a similar role next year, which we all expect.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to continue to watch Lukas develop. I, I I think that's kind of what you were getting at, Jackson, uh, and I, I am absolutely ready for uh, – the the Luca semantics segment of the show uh, that I, I I thought we weren't gonna have to do for so, a a while uh, so they have
0: the pun to treat but I, I'm the pun guy on the team you can't come in here with semantics like that how dare you Steve? I well
1: I just did I just did deal with it uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it now we got to talk about Luca because uh, you know one of the things that we've said many times on this show right is We're evaluating him for down the line. Like, what's he going to look like in a year? Yeah, That's why the Spurs drafted
0: him. Yeah. Um, We've had a good chance to look at Luka uh, as we've missed five players due to health and safety protocols. Uh, Got Calden Johnson back last night versus the Knicks. Uh, That was kind of a welcome sight to see. Uh, I I think the Spurs came out a little... uh, well, they seemed tired, uh, sluggish from what was a, uh, a surprising overtime game against the Nets, a hard-fought game there. Um, I, I think uh, they, they turned it on in the second half, but, but Kelden was the engine in that first half who kind of helped them. He brought the energy. He always brings the energy, but it was definitely present there in the, the first half there. Evan, what did you see from Kelden coming back? It didn't look like he was, he was rusty at all.
2: No, you you know we knew that Keldon even before the game. Popovich said like Keldon's not even really back, right? I mean, Keldon logged 11 minutes. It was really nice that the Spurs, uh, you know, eviscerated the Knicks in the second half because it really gave Pop no reason to push Keldon any more than he should. 11 minutes, uh, four of six shooting, one of two from deep, a couple of boards. Uh, and, you know, he actually logged a minus three. He was the only player to log a minus in his, in his time on the court. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of expectations I had for Kelden. If he would have had this unbelievable performance, I think I would have been a bit surprised, to be honest. The guy hasn't played basketball in two weeks. So, I'm not here ready to take any grandiose takes on how Keldon looked last night. I think that he looked good. And, um, you know, nothing spectacular, nothing that makes me go, wow. But for a dude who uh, has been in quarantine for 10-plus days and is getting his body right, I'm happy to see him back. He certainly helps, especially while the Spurs are still shorthanded and will be shorthanded, taking on the Thunder to end the first season. Yeah. I
1: I thought it was impressive. I thought it was impressive the work that he put in – in the short time that he did play because, you know, I'm, I'm picturing him just in a hotel room running back and forth from wall to wall like 20 feet just to, you know, get the energy out. Like, he, he plays with such a manic energy. And in that first half, he led the Spurs, I believe, with nine points. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he did pretty much all his damage in the first half there and was, you know, a spark plug as he always is. So, um, you know, I, I think that's been – one of the true constants that you can always rely on every single Spurs game this year that he's played in, you can expect energy and effort and, and heart and hustle from Keldon Johnson. Uh, yeah, and and say, most nice productivity, too.
2: Yeah, and, and maybe for me, I guess, you know, I, I take it a little bit for granted because th- those are things that I expect from Kelden, right? It's not a surprise anymore. It's not something where I'm like, whoa, like, look at him. You know, I, like, if Keldon didn't, like, wasn't a spark plug, I would be questioning more things than when he is, you know, that's just sort of the guy that, that we know Keldon Johnson is, and that's the player that we expect night in and night out. And he's that young effervescent player that really gets every fan jacked up. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, I think that if there's anybody who's going to be, who's going to win the hearts of the fans in San Antonio, it's Keldon Johnson. He's going to be right there below, below Manu Ginobili, uh, I think when when his, his career is said and done, if he continues to do what he's doing.
0: Yeah, and I guess what I was alluding to was that energy in terms of being the engine there. Uh, I mean, we, we, it sucks that he is on the, the minus there and the, the box score, but it's because he, he missed out on that uh, that second half swing there. Yeah. Uh, I think, Tom, you're correct. We don't, we don't really know what quarantine – the effects quarantine has on their bodies, double digit days being stuck in a room and things like that. And that's why you see the Spurs easing players back in like Keldon. Uh, it sounds like, I mean, guys like Rudy Gay are still in quarantine. If you uh, follow their social media, uh, Rudy puts a picture to Instagram uh, of himself, uh, not of himself, sorry, of, of, a skeleton, <laughs> of a skeleton sitting on the bed, looking out the window in a small room. I, <laughs> is what I, I, I hope think. it's not a picture of himself.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I mean, it, I will say this, that Pop said after the game against the Knicks that that Rudy, Derek, and Devin were were back around the team. Uh, he said that they will not be available uh, for, for the game against the Thunder, but he did say that it was great to have their presence back and that he said that Vassell was the furthest away from returning versus everybody else.
1: Well, one thing that I think really jumped out in that Knicks game was this team is talented – one through 15 right and Evan you were talking about pop being stoked to get the guys just back on the bench and have their their vibes right like this team is absolutely passing the vibe check uh, at this point in the season given all of the you know things stacked against them right they play a good game against Brooklyn you know score the last 10 points of regulation, send it to overtime on a crazy shot by DeJounte Murray Uh, compete with a team that's been absolutely destroying most of the, the opponents that they face. Um, So you, you have that you come up just short and then you have 10 guys score eight or more points against the best defensive team in the league this year. Like it's, it's thoroughly impressive what the Spurs are doing right now. Uh, and I think it comes down to, you know, they're playing for and with each other and, you know, really believing in what they're doing. Yeah. So,
0: We saw Trey yeah. Lyles lead the team in scoring with 18 points. He's the seventh guy, I think, to lead the Spurs in scoring this season, which is, uh, uh, leads the league in uh, a number of guys who, you know, scoring leaders the team has had this season. Uh, Luka Shamanich, career night for him. I don't know if this is where you guys want to start the Luka conversation.
2: Uh, yeah, let's get into it.
0: I just want to start it off by saying I I am the most on high on Luca I think uh, going into this game going into this stretch I feel validated Um, I I feel like I I don't want to go so far to say no one anyone owes me an apology but uh, but I love Luca and I love what I saw from him in the last two games maybe I'm overreacting Evan maybe uh, maybe it's just one game against the Knicks
2: look you know you can run back the tape on everything I have ever said about Luca in this pod. All right. I've actually been the the guy who has said, hey, everything that you've seen from Luca, do not overreact. Right. He's learning. He's a project in the in the short time that we did see him with the Spurs before returning from the bubble. He hasn't looked confident. Uh, There have been some question marks about uh, an array of array of things in his game and whatever it might be. But but no matter what, nobody, nobody in this pod was ever like, this guy stinks, bust, whatever. The world outside might have been saying that. Um, there are, there are tons of people down on Luka Shamanich. I mean, you know, uh, you can read the, the prospect rankings uh, for, you know, just I love San Ficini and his work, uh, his prospect rankings. He had Luka, I think, at the his second, second to last um, for the Spurs as far as prospects go. And and to me, that's crazy because, you know, for me, we've always said he is the highest ceiling out of any prospect on the Spurs roster. He could arguably be uh, the, one of the best players in the league if he really forms into the role that we all think he can form into. Having said that, uh, the, the biggest surprise of Luka coming back from the bubble is his on-ball defense. More than anything, we know he can score points. The 14 points, all that stuff, that's just confidence. Like, shoot the ball. Do what you got to do offensively, you know, when you have your opportunities. The on-ball defense has been remarkable. It's really been so much fun to watch him just stymie these, these monster opponents who I think the Spurs have really had trouble with ever since Kawhi Leonard left town. That has been the position that they've needed to restock and rebuild. And we discussed in an earlier pod, Luca's off-ball defense, still a bit of a question mark. He's still kind of learning the, the intricacies and the nuances of the NBA, especially for the San Antonio Spurs, which is, you know, this is our system. This is how we're running it. We need you to be dialed in. That, that takes a lot of transition. But it's hard not to be excited with Luca and the growth that he's shown coming out of the bubble and I think sending him to the bubble again, was a tremendous move because I do think it recalibrated him to understand that, hey, I'm too good for the bubble life and, and I can do this. You know, a reminder, like you're you a damn good player.
0: Yeah, Tom, does he ever go back to the bubble?
1: I hope not. Um, I, I think he's shown enough in this stretch to where you you have to keep him at this level because he's not, not going to do much more developing at the G League level at this point. he. Okay. he already averaged 22 and 11 there uh, showed what he's got and he he looks NBA ready now he did not look NBA ready last year he did not really look NBA ready at the beginning of this year in limited minutes he got but given the opportunity here um, he's making the most of it and as, like Evan said the the defense has been just amazing for a guy for a guy that size to move as fluidly as he does stay in front of the variety of offensive talents that he can stay in front of uh, he and Trey Lyles played really excellent defense against all-star Julius Randall last night. Um, and it's, it's impressive to watch Shamanich develop because he, he's built that muscle and he's also built the skill and confidence in that skill to where he's not thinking too much on either end of the floor he's he's just doing what needs to be done um and so that's that's been really really fun to watch with him
0: his size is definitely a a, a huge advantage for this guy and that's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about the raw skill set he brings what he does at his size is really impressive uh there are a couple plays in the transition where he just gets his arms up and he's knocking balls down, you know, causing havoc on the transition defense side uh, of things uh, against the Knicks last night. I mean, he was the guy who was bodying up Harden through stretches of the Nets game there and his on-ball defense and Harden, who is an amazing playmaker and an amazing dribbler and, and, and has... Th- knocked guys out of their, uh, out of their shoes on, on several occasions. Uh, he, he kept up, you know, and, and that's what you want to see from a second-year player in his, I don't know, handful of games with the Spurs. Um, I, I hope to see more of him. I hope to see more of Trey Lyles. And that comes at the expense of maybe um, phasing out LaMarcus Aldridge a bit. You know, him mm-hmm. you know, already relegated to the bench unit. I think there's still a strong – presence from him in the bit there's gonna be games like last night on the tail end of back-to-backs where you may not see Aldridge and that's when you see guys like Shamanich and Lyles relied upon more Evan what do you what did you see from those two guys last night that stood out to you
2: I mean look Trey Lyles is averaging 30 minutes 11 and a half points he's shooting nearly 50% from three he's nine of 20 uh, in his last four games during this shorthanded stretch um, you know those those percentages and what he's doing from the field uh, have to decrease with more playing time. So I, I do tend to believe that he's playing a little above his head as far as that is concerned. Uh, he's averaging six rebounds as well. Something that Lyles will, will always be able to do is rebound the ball, which is a benefit for the Spurs who rely on Keldon Johnson and DeJounte Murray to get defensive rebounds because Jakob Purtle is always challenging at the rim, which makes him, uh, pretty much meaningless on the on the defensive glass. I shouldn't say meaningless, but it's tough for him to get those boards when he's he's challenging those shots. Um so so that is a benefit of Lyles. Um he he's showing us what we loved about him last year, right? Pop a, pop a couple threes here, um grab a couple boards there. You know, he's not a monster usage guy, so he's really just going to fill in and and do what's necessary. Um but yeah, you know, uh, I don't know look when everybody comes back giving Trey Lyles 30 minutes a game is just not feasible nor do I think it's a good move long term but as far as filling in minutes um I I think he's a guy that could step in, in in the Rudy Gay role um the only difference being is that Rudy Gay is is way more of a of a pure scorer than Lyles is so that it's it's tough we talk about the depth all the time with this team and and just if we had to go nitty-gritty into each guy, it's tough to find replacement for that guy because each guy does something that's just a little bit different than the other dude, even though there's similar heights and whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, I, I think with Lyles last night, we saw him at his best. Um, and, and Shamanich as well, right? Why did these two players succeed? It was because DeMar DeRozan and DeJounte Murray were attacking and – had combined for 17 assists and one turnover between the two of them. Lonnie Walker showed off some of his impressive underrated playmaking ability. Um, And Trey and Luca are two players who, when they attack off the catch, they have the confidence to let that three fly. They each hit a, I think Lyles hit four or six from deep. He did. And Samanich hit a couple. Um,
2: Right. you know, and then, of five.
1: right. And then when they're attacking off that catch, they both have enough moves to get to the rim and score pretty well. Like Trey Lyles in a straight line after he catches pump fakes. Um, he's been a lot more decisive. There's a lot less of this, you know, taking a couple of hesitant dribbles and then passing it off to somebody without creating an advantage. If he's driving to the rim, he's driving to the rim and, you know, taking an aggressive look or getting it to somebody whose man has been forced to close out to him and protect the rim. So, um, you know, he talked about playing off of those two and the opportunities that they create for him. Um, But yeah, like, like Evan said, it's uh, this is, this is what we love to see about Lyles. This is the role that he was growing into. Right. And, now, if you asked Spurs fans a couple of weeks ago what they need, I'm sure many would have told you a versatile big man who can switch defensively, stay in front of different guys, um, and and stretch the floor. And the Spurs have a couple of pretty good young ones in Trey Lyles and Luka Shamanich. Like, Trey Lyles was a high draft pick. Uh, he, He's a productive NBA player. Luka Shamanich, he, he hasn't shown that he can do that consistently yet but if you bet that he would never do that I would imagine that you're feeling pretty insecure in that bet now uh you know it's it's not it's not like he's gonna be a a starter anytime soon but he is uh definitely showing that he has potential and has grown like I I think the thing that has really blown me away with the defense is last year he was uh not quick enough to stay in front of smaller players and not strong enough to stay in front of bigger players. This year, he's a little bit of both. Um, and, and that has been like a a crazy revelation. Um, and Lyles too has improved defensively. I I think a great deal. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I think as if they're both hitting shots and playing the way they're playing right now, they both got a, uh, a spot in the rotation but yeah it becomes a question of who gets who gets bounced out of it then
2: so and I, and I will say this with Lyles um one thing I do want to see which has been better these games but I, I tend to believe that he gets a little burned sometimes from the three-point line but that's you know that's another thing it's maybe a little nitpicky but that is something that I, I keep my eye on um you know if you go back to the Oklahoma City game like they just I mean they didn't make they didn't make any of them but it was like Boom! Attack Lyles, drive three-point, like back up three-pointer. So it was just, it's just something I keep my eye on.
1: He's better. He's better against the Zion's and you yeah. know uh, Julius Randle's of the world who would prefer to drive in, bully, use their big body. Yep. He's he's been pretty rock solid on the interior. I, I agree that there's some uh, weakness on the perimeter there, but uh, I think he covers drives out of those pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know. De- definitely an area for improvement for him, but I think overall defensively, especially this year, he's he's yeah. shown improvement to me
0: at least. So we've we've known that Samanich is clearly a a key a key player in the Spurs' long term role and uh, plans. You know, he, he's he's it's him, it's Vassell, it's Johnson, it's Murray. These are the the core and Walker, the core five young guys they're building around. H- has Lyles entered that conversation now as one of the guys you keep around for this long term run, or or is he still kind of on a tier below that?
2: Yeah, if you can make it work, I'm I'm all for it. There's just a lot of a lot of question marks. Um, yeah, we got to revisit this in the off season because it just all depends on who you're bringing in, what the cap is going to look like, right? So, I mean, Lyles probably is going to demand around five, six, seven million again. Uh, you know, five. He's got five and a half this year. I'd imagine that at least with this play and what I think his potential could be a team would pay him five and a half again, at least. So, yeah, I mean, I would love that. But then on the flip side, I don't know if Trey Lyles would love to come back if he's going to be a reserve guy. So he might, you know, want to go to another team where he's going to have an opportunity to play and, you know, prove that this wasn't, this wasn't a fluke. So um, certainly somebody I'm very interested in the Spurs bringing back but a lot of ancillary questions around that to really dictate, okay, let's 1000% do this or that.
1: I was, I was really high on Lyles coming into the season. Um, You know, I, I thought he was on a really awesome trajectory growing with this team uh before he missed the bubble uh, with an appendix surgery. Um, You know, like just a a freak thing i'm sure he would have fit in great with the bubble spurs um and coming into this season he couldn't really get in a flow and he was behind a lot of other guys on the depth chart now with the opportunity i mean he's been starting these games the spurs trust him to start these games because he started the games last year um and he's showing what he can do and i think when you have a core with guys like DeJounte and DeMar and Lonnie Walker, Derek White, you know, these are dynamic playmakers who very much benefit from versatile big men who can be lob threats, be threats in the corner, um, be solid, respectable floor spacers and defenders around them. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the fans that, questioned why is, why is Lyle's even still here earlier in the season won. uh This season's crazy and there might be a time when you lose five rotation guys due to COVID and need to, uh, you know, have the next guy step up. Um, he's done great in that regard. Keita bates up was great last night. I yeah. love the way he plays. Um, the, the Spurs are legitimately like – 15 deep right now and it's that's that's awesome i like i think they might be the best 15 deep team in the league but everybody knows you get to the playoffs it's about nine or eight or seven guys so you know the question becomes how do you get minutes for all of these guys and is there a log jam somewhere that needs to be cleared
0: yeah, and I totally in naming off the Spurs' young core left off two of the most important ones, Jakob Pertl and Derek White, who who might honestly be the two more talented uh, of of that group. You know, uh, Purtle has just been amazing. I want to talk to I talked about him here in a second. Uh, I I do just want to say, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when when this team is at full strength. Uh, who what who whose minutes is, is Rudy Gay taking when the, when the lineup comes back? Is that coming from Shamanich? You know. Uh, and then LaMarcus Aldridge is, is the big question. And- Here's the
2: thing about LaMarcus Aldridge and, and the biggest question that I have coming down the stretch year, and something I haven't put on Twitter yet because I know I'm just going to be fueling the fire for so many Spurs fans out there and it's going to come off as pandering to, to a large contingency. But, Tom, and I'm going to ask you this question because I, I kind of know where I stand, but I, wa- I want to know where you stand. You know, are we at the point where the Spurs could potentially trade LaMarcus Aldridge for peanuts um, just as a favor to him saying, hey, we are moving in a different direction. You're probably going to play like 10 minutes with us. And if you want out, we'll get you out. And we won't even be stingy about trading you. We will will help you get to the location you want to get to. You know, we'll take on an expiring deal, whatever we have to do, and and this is our, our favorite to you.
1: So I don't think it's quite at that point. I think that LaMarcus Aldridge still has uh, a little bit left in the tank and a lot to contribute in a role off the bench if he can get comfortable and stay healthy in that role. Um, you know, I don't think it'll be 10 minutes for him. I think he'll be closer to 20 Um, I I think 21 points a game off the bench is probably not going to happen. I don't think two points is going to happen very often either. Um, We talked a little bit last time about the benefits of him coming off the bench, right? He can play the four, he can post up a little more. He can play against inferior opposition and, and that helps on both ends. So I think that the, the, Aldridge doesn't have an as much time to grow into this role as Lucas Shamanich does to have to grow into his, you know? Yeah. Like this this timeline seems a little shorter, and I understand why people are rushing it a little bit, but they're still rushing it when they want to see immediate uh bona fide returns from Aldridge in this new job that he's doing. That he is has has kind of talked about the The reasons that it's different than what he's done for his entire 15-year career. So, when when you have a guy that talented making an adjustment that big, I think you want to give some benefit of the doubt uh, for for at least a little bit, and and let him um, you know grow grow to that role and and figure things out. But at the same time, the Spurs have proven. They're they're better with Jakob Pertle starting at center. Um, I I think that's obvious to everybody watching. But just because they've proven that doesn't mean that uh, you know Lamarcus Aldridge all of a sudden has no value to the team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's there's still something there for him.
2: Yeah, and 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 I'll say on that point, I'm the one to propose the question. But you know, I, you you tweeted it out that Sports Illustrated did an article. Like oh, like the Spurs are doing their their thing, and it was supposed to be a rebuild and all this stuff. And in the article, they mentioned, like, well, Lamarcus Aldridge is struggling off the bench. Like, where did that come from? The guy, what does he play? That like, that games,
1: was that was the one. The that was the one thing in that article. The whole rest of it I read, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty well informed. Like they they're doing a good job here. And then I got to he struggled off the bench. I was like, he was struggling before that, and hence. The bench part,
2: yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like he was he was struggling. That led him to the bench. We don't you know what just he got caught. You yeah, just got caught. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I agree. Like, I think that him moving to the bench is actually going to be better for Lamarcus and for the Spurs. I think Lamarcus is a dangerous player in the second unit. Um, but I'm really happy that unlike last year, where the Spurs were stubborn as all heck, just leaving. Brent Forbes in that starting lineup, no matter what, and they were going to live and die with him. They realized it wasn't working, and they had a defensive beast in Jakob Pirtle. He needs more minutes, and, and they have committed themselves to Jakob, and Pirtle has proved that that is the right decision.
0: What makes the Aldrich decision uh, seem so smart in hindsight is the fact that Pirtle has been really good uh, this entire season, just in their secondary role, and then has been just tremendous as a starter from that point on. Uh, what he brings on the defensive side of the game, uh, and uh, you know his offense is pretty darn good too when he's not shooting a free throw. Um, he, he's a monster in the pick and roll. Uh, has has proven that he can work in that role with Patty Mills or Dejounte Murray or Demar Derozan. Uh, and and actually, Tom and I were looking at the uh, 2016 draft. Uh, Um, Earlier today, actually to look at DeJounte Murray's numbers and how they stack up um, and and ended up being like, oh, yeah, and there's Jacoperto there, too. Yaka Pertl is second in win shares per 48 out of that draft class. Um, uh, just right behind uh, Zubach, who, who doesn't count. I'm throwing Zubach out. Uh, so, so he leads the draft class and win shares per 48. He's top five in box plus minus, uh, top seven in VORP. Uh, and this is a stacked draft class. We're talking about the year that Ben Simmons and uh, Jalen Brown, uh, all those guys were drafted. Uh, I mean, even DeJounte Murray. There's a wealth of players in that draft. Uh, Brandon Johnny, Ingram.
1: That was, a, that was a good one.
0: one. Yeah, I mean... It was,
1: Sabonis. Sabonis was in that one? He
0: yeah, was. It was a loaded draft that the Phoenix Suns misfired three times on in the first round. So, uh, <laughs> but the, first, the Spurs have, have hit twice on players in that draft, so so good for the Spurs there. Uh, Tom, you have some thoughts on uh, what Pertle's done this season as well?
1: So, looking at the NBA's hustle stats in the month of February when Jakob Pertle was starting... Uh, he played 29 minutes a game. He had nearly six screen assists a game. And that really doesn't do it justice because he, there are some plays where it's six screens. Um, he, I I would not want to run around a Jakob Pirtle screen. Like, like he is a physical tone setter. A la Aaron Baines in Mm -hmm. that regard. Uh, So he's top three in the league in terms of screen assists per game in February. Uh, And then in terms of shot contests per game, 16, which is second in the league. Um, He's what, 15% of the way through his three-year $27 million deal, already starting, already looking like a big old bargain for the Spurs. Uh, I know I know people in the beginning of the year when he was coming off the bench and he wasn 't really playing well. It was like, well, why did they spend this money on him? They should go trade They need to go trade for a center uh, Jakob Pertle is pretty clearly saying that he 's here to be the Spurs starting center uh for at least the next two plus years um and the Spurs are better for it. I mean he does so many things that don 't show up in the box score that make this team better on both ends of the floor. Um, and if you're if you're a fan of basketball, you gotta be a fan of watching Yakupertle play. It's very it's nuanced and it's you know, it's it's not as sexy as a three-point shot. But I mean there is something to be said for the, the brute strength and pure physicality of his game.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're getting close to that point where he reaches twenty-four minutes per game. Which I like to talk about you know um on five thirty eight their Raptor ratings, which you know it it's very complicated to explain, and if anybody's interested in knowing how those ratings are made, I'll send them a link and it's a wonderful read if you're a nerd uh, but um beyond that up, it, it is it essentially you know narrows down like who are the most valuable players on a team? you know how many wins are they adding over their replacement, and uh, once Pertl can cro- cross into the twenty-four minutes per game threshold. He will be the league's best defender per Raptor by a full point over Rudy Gobert. So, uh, if you were looking at the, like the if you're looking at the chart of the Spurs, um, it's like there's Jakob Pertl all the way up here because obviously he's not really a positive offensively. He's kind of like not not really a true negative either. He's, he's pretty much breaking even on that that form. But uh, it's like boop like all the way up there at the top, it's just like in as an outlier. And if you look at the NBA as a whole, when you look at that top little dot, that's Jakob Pertl. So, um, yeah. They,
1: I, like, I have I think, a question. Yeah. Year, th- year three of this contract, when Rudy Gobert is getting paid, what, like $50 million a year by the Jazz, yeah. who's performing better? Is it Jakob Pertl getting seven mil, or is it Rudy Gobert getting seven times that?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that you know, what's the, like, like in, in the NFL, right? Like it doesn't make much sense to pay big money to a running back. Right. I think that's what is kind of like the whole thing with center. It's like Rudy Gobert got that fat contract and people are like, why are you giving him a fat contract? It's like, and you know, Gobert's taking offense to it. It's like, dude, it's not that you're not good. It's not that you aren't all-star level. It's not that you don't have a huge impact on your team. It's just like I can get Yaka Pertle as a rim protector Way cheaper, and then use that money elsewhere. So uh, that's no disrespect to Rudy Gobert, but it's like, you know, li- the li- li- first doctor. have a Rudy
0: Gobert at home. Yeah, you know, I mean, like it's, like, it's like, why would you go to Central Market and buy the organic French grape juice when you can get the Hill Country Fair purple drink? Right? It's <laughs> still pretty freaking delicious. So mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it was the same purpose, right? Like that's, but that that was a, a great analogy that that Evan made you you don't overpay for something that you can replace at a lower cost um and you know that it it seems a, a little cold to break it down that way but that's how it is right yeah uh the nba there's a premium on scoring there's a premium on shooting and wing play um Gobert is a dirty work guy like the the Andrew Bogit's and Aaron Baines's and Jakob Pertles and Rudy Gobert's of the world typically don't get paid a whole bunch. They do the dirty work that lets the other guys get all the shine and get good shots and, you know, do their thing that other people show up to see. And and then they, you know, the the nuanced fan, the the fan of culture will watch that and say, ah, that was a great screen. But you see that? You know, like, that, that's what it is. And if you, if you commit five years and, like, 200-plus million dollars to a guy who's, whose job is that, it causes some, you know, some cap considerations for you moving forward. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, we're, we're seeing Jakob Hurtle be – the anchor of a, a rapidly ascending Spurs defense here.
2: Yeah. And, and I want to say that Jakob Pertl isn't perfect either, right? You know, the big knock on Gobert, just like, um, you know, first off, when the Jazz get to the playoffs, Gobert has shown warts in his game that he hasn't been um, a great player to lean on in the playoffs. We could totally get to that point with Purtle, And Purtle is having one of the worst seasons statistically from the free throw line. So what's going to happen is, Especially during playoff time, you're not going to be able to play Yaka Pertl for a good four-minute stretch from from minute six to minute two while that happens, or you have to continuously try to mix and match and get him in, you know, into favorable spots. Um, becomes a bit of an issue. That is, like Jaka Pertl's free throw making abilities is a huge problem. But like, hey, if the Spurs can get to the playoffs, we'll worry about it then. And uh, it's a, you know at least whatever. But I just want to say that like you know, we're all on board of Yakov. He deserves all the praise. I will continue to give him that. Uh, but there are concerns, especially when it gets to playoffs and all that stuff of what uh, potentially is leading down the road of, hey, can you really play this guy late into games when they're just going to hack a turtle?
0: Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't seen the hack of Yak more uh, so far this season, especially since he is 30% from the line, which is what, I think in the top five all-time worst free throw shooting seasons, uh, which is not a place you want to be. Uh, I, but Evan, I think you're right. When it comes to playoff time, teams are going to roll that uh, that out. But regardless, he's earned his spot in the starting lineup. He is shining there in all other aspects, I'd, I would say. Um, and I think, you know, Spurs fans are happy to see him there. It's working out. Uh, Spurs fans also are pretty happy to see Shamanich get a start uh, amid all the COVID protocols, uh, which made me kind of wonder, guys, uh, what's the the Spurs starting five that would break Spurs Twitter? You know, who are the five guys that that you know would just cause an epic meltdown? uh pure oh, uh, joy!
2: This, this is easy. Uh, it's it's Murray. It's White. It's Keldon. It's Vassell. It's Shamanich. <laughs> I think that is the ultimate. Oh, sorry. No, I got to take one out because Pirtle's got to be in that. Um, I it's guess. Tough. Okay, it's... I'm taking. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take. Wow, I'm going to take Vassell out. Man, that's tough. That's really tough. Um, yeah, White, Murray, uh, Keldin, uh, Shamanich, and Hurdle. I think that would be uh, – I would just love to see, by the way. I don't know how many points they would score, but what, what on earth would it look like to see Dejounte, Derek, um, Vassell, Shamanich, Yak? Like, I mean it'd be but, fun. I mean like, fun. Like, what like what kind of suffocating defense would we be watching with that?
1: The the thing the thing that I love about the young core that the Spurs have built here is like, you know, you could put them all on a dartboard and throw throw your eyes. Close your eyes and throw five darts and and hit like five guys and put together a lineup that would be fun to watch and, and like versatile and play good team basketball. Like I I think you would be hard pressed to find a bad lineup. Like even if you start throwing, you know, Drew Eubanks in there, like Spurs Spurs Twitter loves Drew Eubanks. So um this this young core that they've built, uh, in addition to being very good is also just very likable. Um so um I I think in terms of the, the guys who are the most like hot button, it's DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, uh Luka, Shamanich, um, and and then after that there's a drop off, right? Like everybody else, I feel I feel like most Spurs fans are on the same page about like you know they really like the the prospects moving forward. Um, those three players, Dejounte has uh, silenced most of his critics this year. Uh, Lonnie and Luka are two of the higher ceiling players on this team um, and still have a ways to go to, to proving that consistently. Um, but, you know, I, I think the thing with evaluating both of those guys, evaluating any of these players is uh, if you're giving up on a, a talented athlete that the Spurs are taking young and developing in their system – I don't know what to tell you. Like, that just seems like a bad bet to me. That's not something that I would do. I I wouldn't I wouldn't see that from afar and think, you know, oh, they probably screwed that up. Like it's definitely wait and see. Uh the the Spurs I think have earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that. So um, you know, we're we're seeing a, enough with Luca right now that's like, okay, he can be special. And we're seeing uh we're seeing flashes of that with Lonnie too. Wish he could be more consistent, but um, you know, I, I think when he settles into a bench role eventually after the All Star break, probably um, we're we're going to see a more comfortable, more aggressive Lonnie Walker um, that you know continues to ascend.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this: we're gonna have. I don't know if it's today, but one one of these days, we're gonna have to have the Lonnie Walker discussion because. Um, I I do think that seeing him in the bench role is something I'm reserving my opinions on until I see that consistently. Uh, we, We got a sniff of it and then all hell broke loose with the COVID cases. So I really want to see how he transitions into that bench role. His on off numbers are really bad. You know, there's no going around the fact that when he's on the court, the spurs are negatives. And when he's off the court they're positives. There's a lot of mitigating factors also that explain some of that, but um, yeah, it's just, you know, ultimately I, I really, um, you know, Lonnie, Lonnie's gotten cut since he's been with the Spurs, like really like shredded. I need him to bulk up his chest because there's just too much North and South against him that he just gets bully balled. I mean, like, I think, like, honestly, like, there's a lot of switch. Like, there's a ton of things he does great defensively. But when it comes down to the fact of him one-on-one versus somebody who's a little bit bigger, he gets crunched right to the basket, easy layup. And and we've seen it time after time after time after time where it's becoming a weakness and it's becoming something that teams generally like to attack. So um, I'm not ready to make any grandiose takes. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, at some point we're going to have to have that discussion.
0: And I think maybe that's what we'll do during the all-star break. Let's, let's take a look at some of these, the, 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 hot button players, Tom, that you, you blamed off there and, and address the questions that surround them uh there's still questions surrounding uh you know eric white's health uh his his ability to stay on the court uh there's questions about what to do with Lamarcus aldridge um there won't be a game here in all-star week so uh that's that's what we'll talk about uh but before we get to all-star week you know there's one more game on the schedule uh and i want to take a look at that game uh but first i just want to address a quick little housekeeping note here uh get a little inside baseball on you guys uh you know the big fun pod is, is kind of our passion projects at work, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot that value to having this Spurs project, but I wouldn't say it's either of us, either any of ours, full-time job, you know, Uh, Evan, you do a lot with high school football and the UTSA, uh, high school football and basketball. When the roads runners are playing, UTSA are playing, uh, you do a lot with the coverage there Uh, during winter storms, your your coverage turns, you know, to to the San Antonio community and and what's needed there. Uh, Tom, likewise, I mean, when, when things, Break Outside of the Spurs, you know, we have our fingers in a lot uh, of other pies right now, and uh, dealing with the COVID numbers, uh, other local news as well. Uh, yesterday, things went from zero to sixty uh, on us on the digital side and across the whole newsroom. Uh, around 1:30 p.m. yesterday, when Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced uh, his intentions to repeal statewide um, COVID restrictions put in place, such as business capacity limits and mask, mandate, mask mandates. Uh, And and that kind of led us to to covering the after effects of that, the fallout from that. Uh, One of the things that was addressed is, you know, the Spurs are welcoming fans back to the arena March 12th uh, in the second half of the season. And their plan is during the 17 home games that we're going to have at the AT&T Center in that second half to have fans in the arena. Uh, at, the, at the time they made that announcement, it was before Abbott had, had kind of announced his intentions to take a step back on COVID restrictions. Uh, and safety measures and protocols were put in place by, Silver, uh, by the Spurs Sports and Entertainment Organization. Uh, yesterday, after the announcement, they said those, uh, those, orga- those uh, and restrictions are going to stay in place. Uh, masks will be required inside the AT&T Center during home games. Uh, capacity will remain to be limited. And those protocols they put in check are going to stay in place. Uh, so if you're planning on going to a Spurs game in the second half, be prepared to wear a mask. It's going to be required of you guys. Let's take a look at the game that's coming up here before we get to the all-star break. What do you have on the slate?
2: Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. <laughs> Let's go. And uh, and DeJounte Murray with a great soundbite last night, right, saying, quote, we, we owe them one. I believe that was the exact quote. So um, yeah, DeJounte, <laughs> DeJounte was even joking uh, – you know, he's like, you know, not only does he owe them one, but he also took a fine in that loss as well. Which is funny. He was like, you know, I could have donated that money, which I'm pretty sure all fines are donated anyway, right? Yeah. Am I am I right on that? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean not, not necessarily to the San Antonio community, but but yeah, it was just um you know, he was just like, All right, like I'm I'm still DeJounte's always one of those guys that when you ask him any like if you ask him about what he ate for breakfast, he's just like hey, you know, like breakfast happened, I'm on to lunch. And then after lunch, we'll focus on, on dinner. But, you know, right now I'm really just, I'm locked in on my tuna sandwich. Um, so like, we really can't get anything out of him as far as like previous results. <laughs> but, you know, at least him saying we owe them one is the small little glimpse into DeJounte still being pissed about that loss, which is something he really <laughs> normally doesn't give us.
1: Right. I, he's equal parts like onto the next one. And also I'm a competitor and I'm pissed. Yeah, Like, and that was very much the vibe that he was giving off last night when he was talking about it. Like he was, he was laughing, but it was the kind of laugh that was like the, the laugh that somebody laughs before they beat somebody up, you know, like, <laughs> like, like he's, he's annoyed. He's genuinely annoyed that they <laughs> lost that game. Right. Of course. Uh, like, like it was, it was a, a laugh that definitely belied some genuine, genuine upsetness behind it. That he was like, "Yeah, they got us, man!" Ha ha
0: ha. So you next, know, next time you guys talk to DeJounte, who's who, which one of you is asking about his breakfast? You know,
1: yeah. Are you... <laughs> that was good. That was good, Evan. I like that. <laughs> I, I, I really did like that. But I mean, OKC is good. You know, they're. They're they're one of the you know lower teams in the in the West, but you can't look past them, right? Like Pop always says, appropriate fear. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, good player. Lou Dort,
2: arguably, arguably the most improved player award winner, right?
0: Yeah, I would say yeah, and he's one of those guys who. I mean,
2: but Dejounte for sure a top five in that category. Like, I mean, you know, I don't know if Jalen Brown is is considered on that list. Like, you know, Jalen Brown would probably have to win it. But, like, Shea Gillis' Alexander is, like, improved in, like, every offensive statistical category by a large margin. Yeah.
0: And he's setting himself up as one of those guys who, for years down the road, is going to score 40 points against the Spurs every time. Or There's always that fear that he's going to do that. Kyrie, for the longest time, is a guy, he comes in the building like, well – you know he's going to explode. Here comes another Kyrie bomb. Uh, I think Shea is, is kind of in that same mindset, that the mold. You have to worry about the fact that he could take over this game. Uh, John Morant's another guy like that too. Uh, the Spurs kind of have a weakness when it comes to to facing off guys like that too. So be interesting to see what happens here. I'm glad the team is fired up. Uh, like to see Dejounte Murray uh, to kind of lead that emotional charge. There uh, remains to be seen if any of these um, players out for protocols return, uh, though it sounds unlikely that we'll see any of them. So,
2: uh, and Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but Pop did say last night that none of those guys are returning. I'm I'm almost certain he did say that. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. that's what he said.
2: So you know you might get Kelvin Johnson for 15 minutes. That's I mean that's great, but um, you know, and Quindary Weatherspoon is into the G League bubble. Um, I would argue right now with how the Spurs' depth is and where the team is going, I would pretty much tend to believe that Quindary is going to get phased out next year um, as they, you know, they're going to go from 17 to 15, right? Every, You know, rosters have expanded this year. Um, well, I, I should, as far as their, like, game day rosters are concerned, but nonetheless, they're going to have a draft and they're going to need to add, a, you know, another roster spot, yada, yada, yada. Um, it just, you know, the demotion, I think Quinderi should, should get playing time that helps, but it's just reading the tea leaves. I tend to believe that I don't know if a spot is, is there for him anymore.
1: Yeah. I I mean, he's, he's a good player all around a, a decent combo guard does a little bit of everything, but, um, you know, it's hard to see him cracking the rotation, with all of these other guys.
2: Yeah. And I, I think he should find a spot with another team. It's it just like the Spurs are really tough. Like it, it, this is a really tough team to work your way into because the competition is so stiff as we, we just talked about in depth from like one to 15, like Trey Lyle, uh, Trey Jones is probably 15 on that list of, of and he's a guaranteed contract. So yeah. um, I mean, then you get drew Eubanks who's 14. And then like beyond that, I mean, we're, like we're getting into like Trey Lyles being like thirteen or Shamanish being thirteen. I mean, yikes! <laughs> That's not like a bad thirteen. Like it's not a cuttable thirteen. So, um, right? Yeah, I just you know whatever. I digress. I, I just want to, to get that out because that was that was a shuffle that we saw.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe Quindary then. Uh, maybe he's the guy you you package with Aldridge, and maybe you get a little bit more than peanuts.
2: You know, I need to look into uh, I, I, Quindary's not going to get you anything. I mean, you can package him and say, hey. Here's a young piece too, you know, but in the end, any team is probably going to have a chance. If they want them, they know they'll have a chance at him next year. True.
0: Well, we've got the thunder on the schedule, and then we're going to take a break from the all-star break, but the pod will keep going. We're going to take a look at the biggest questions surrounding some of these Spurs plans, uh, Spurs players, uh, such as Lonnie Walker and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. will definitely be a, a guy we have to address. Tom, any final thoughts from you before we wrap it today?
1: Um. Yeah, I think uh you could sum up my thoughts here by saying that the uh 18 and 13 San Antonio Spurs who just beat the best defensive team in the league by 26 and took the Nets to overtime they're just not that good and uh you know pe- people should continue to just mainly ignore them just just pretend like it's not happening pretend like you can't see it uh no all-star recognition is fine uh you know really don't uh need that sort of stuff they seem to care about it a little more this year or at least let on that they care about it a little more this year than we've seen um and that might motivate them a little bit but uh yeah keep keep sleeping and uh you know, the, the fifth seed might might waste people up a little bit on, but uh, I'm I'm excited to to watch these these guys continue to surprise people who said, "Wait a sec, I thought they were going to be bad this year."
0: Yeah, are, are we tanking? Are we? Is that is that the plan here from here on out? Evan, you got any final thoughts here? Yeah,
2: yeah uh, you know, my 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 final thoughts, honestly, is the Spurs got hit with a really crappy situation lost um you know at least with Oklahoma City they they also didn't have DeMar DeRozan but you know it's not like they had like these supplemental pieces missing due to these COVID protocols these health and safety protocols I mean you're missing White and Gay and Vassell uh and Keldon I mean just integral parts of this team and for four games this squad has just fought its you know what's huff and um It's like really cool to see. And last year, I think Pop deserved a lot of criticism because he was stubborn. And I think there were a lot of things that Joe Schmo on the couch, just like us here, were saying that were very obvious, which were moves that the front office agreed with because people like Bellinelli and Forbes were not retained, right? I mean, that's just an obvious thing that, hey, these are guys who you shouldn't, continue playing and whatever it might be um having said that the the Spurs are back to being a top five defense and they're back to doing the things that Pop prides himself on and Pop's ability to really adjust and find winning formulas and to be open to change to make the move to Perth to start where I always thought that LaMarcus was going to come back and we just have to deal with him starting in, in maybe limited minutes because that's just pop, giving respect to the, the veteran. He's really changed course and he's adjusted all year in a year where adjustments are necessary. The team, um, the, the league average for defense is I think uh, 112 and a half points per possession. Uh, the Spurs are at 109. If you look at the last 15 games, the Spurs have given up more than 112 points six times. Uh, two of them were those weird games against the Grizzlies, which have become an outlier in back-to-back uh, matchups where I don't know if Derek White's return really, you know, really screwed them up, but it's possible. Um, they, they lost to the Golden State 114-91, so they barely uh, got nudged across there, but just, you know, a, a rough performance um they gave up 124 to the nets but they didn't give up 112 before regulation and or they gave up 112 um exactly i should say before regu- uh, before overtime and they gave up 114 to new orleans uh a team that just is so offensively gifted and then they gave up 114 to atlanta which was a team that just used their entire bench unit to reach that mark so Everything is kind of, you know, outside of outside of Memphis and, and you know just a couple of points here or there. Um damn, like it's it's really impressive. And I don't if you're a fan, you should just be proud. I don't know where the season's going. As I said, I think if they win a playoff round, you you throw a parade sort of deal. But just the way that this team has fought for four games, completely shorthanded with lineups that should never really have been a thought in our minds before the co- these health and protocols uh, existed. Uh, just a big tip at the cap and, um, and really interested to see how they end the first half of the season against OKC, a team where they should um, give them a little, a little uh, redemption.
0: That's Evan Klosky. You can catch him on Ken's five behind the sports desk, uh, breaking down everything Spurs related and sports related as well. Uh, and if you're looking for getting, uh, getting get to his DMS at Evan Klosky, if you want to nerd out about Raptor and, and nerdy things like that, but if you want to do manly things, like look at virtual sports cards on Top Topshop, <laughs> you get to Tom whoa. Petrini's wheelhouse here. Uh, that's Evan Ab- Petrini. <laughs>
1: I, I don't subscribe to gender roles, bro. Top Shot is a genderless experience for anybody who, who wants to invest in the future of collectibles.
2: <laughs> and cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency.
0: At Real Tom Petrini is where you can find him on Twitter. I'm at Kent's 5 And, of course, you can follow the Big Fun Pod at Big Fun Pod. Uh, the Big, Fund, Big Fundamental Podcast is the official podcast of the Spurs from Kens5, the official station of the San Antonio Spurs. And we'll see you next time.